Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message. Now, I oftentimes tell my wife, I don't remember anything about growing up. Like, I just, I have almost no memories. And I'm listening to this record, and I have two very, very clear, distinct memories of my childhood. One which was not great, and one which was sort of like just whatever. It was like a a little moment in time. But the point of this story is this. When you hear somebody else's story, you're always hearing yours. And so what we're going to have this morning is we're going to have five people's stories. And there's going to be two, two things available to you at this morning at the same time. Uh, number one, you're going to get to hear a side of people that maybe you've never heard, even though you've known them for a long time. But if you listen to the Spirit, you're also going to hear something about yourself. Is that okay? So this morning, this morning's message is called One Thing. Star, why don't you come on up? Everybody say hello, Star. So hi, I'm Star. And I've known the Lord for 34 years. Um, And I know that the Lord is for community and family and restoration. Um, For generations, my family has not done living in community very well. My family has a history of divorce and dissonance that spans several generations. Um, And at this point, my family is very small. I have less than 20 biological family members. And the closest one to here, other than my husband and children, are many hours away. So we are not well connected, to say the least. When Jason and I got married, I remember crying out to the Lord and knowing that marriage and family and community were important and knowing that I had no example of how to do that. Um, Everybody I knew... um, or everybody that was a prime example to me did not have a very good marriage. And the community that I came from, the goal was not to stay there and be in community with each other. The community was to grow up and leave. And I was thinking about my high school friends and of this, you know, small, the closest group. I live in Kentucky. One's in California. One's in Washington. One's in Maryland. One's in Georgia. We all left. And that's what it was expected um, that you just didn't say. So, we have lived in Campbellsville now for 13 years. (laughs) And when we moved here, um, the family and community atmosphere that existed really overwhelmed me. (laughs) And I remember meeting Ray and Candy and Adam and Heather. They invited us to Dairy Queen the first time we met them. And I just thought, what is happening? Uh, so then really the idea that you would, um, there's more than one of you, that you would buy land so that your family could all live together like in the same few acres just really freaked me out for a long time. So, just be honest. So at the same time, I know, I know that community and family are a blessing from the Lord and are a blessing to the Lord. So it took me many years let's see, about uh, eight, to realize (laughs) that that this would be the place that I prayed for and when I was looking for an example of how to be a family and how to live in community. 
And the idea of living in family really changes when you have children, obviously. Um, But it really changed for me this summer when my youngest son, Everest, had to have open heart surgery. He had open heart surgery in July, and he's doing really well. Uh, We didn't know that he was going to have to have that for very long. We found out in February. And, of course, it was terrifying. Um, It was a very scary thing to hear that he was going to have to have. um, And the Lord clearly told me one day that it was already done, that Everest was taken care of. But I was still scared, right? You're still nervous. He uh, was not, you know, healed in a dramatic fashion. Um, I knew, the Lord told me, and I knew that I needed actual people, physical people, to be in my life to help me through this time. So I got very brave, and I started telling people that Everest was going to have to have surgery, which is a really big deal for me. So if people asked me how I was doing, I would say, I'm fine, but my son has to have surgery. Could you pray for us? That is huge for me. Um, Even just in the grocery store, people that I didn't know really well but knew well enough that they would ask me (laughs) I would share that with them. So, um, and through, through his surgery... You know, a lot of people have been there for us. A lot of people have prayed for us. Um, and not just people here in the community. Um, but a lot of people here have. And so I did want to say thank you if you brought us food or visited us in the hospital. Even if you just liked my Everest updates on Facebook. <laughs> that did make me feel more part of the community here. So thank you. And <laughs> I don't think I'll ever forget... The moment when the cardiologist came out of the surgery room, Everest was still open on the surgery table, and the cardiologist came out and said, you know, they've repaired his heart, and they've, we've looked inside it, and it works, um, it functions better than it did before the surgery. Um, yeah, I'll never forget that. So not only had they stopped further damage from happening, um, but... Now his heart is functioning more fully than it had been before. And so I know, I know, the Lord is for restoration and not just giving you back what you had or should have had, but restoring and making it better than it was before. Amen. So in in Psalm 68, David declares that that God sets the lonely in families. And so again, I know the Lord's heart is for restoration And in the same way that God used the surgeon to restore Everest's heart and make it better, I fully believe God has used this community to restore my heart. And I can easily see that Jason and I's marriage and our children is a first start for new generations to come. So by setting us in this community that loves family, I've learned to love family. And now both of our kids will declare that they love Camelsville. I mean, love it. I asked, I asked August yesterday if he still, I was like, do you still like where you live? It's okay. Mom, I love Camelsville. And get this, there's so much good food here. <laughs> so let it come. <laughs> so Isaiah 61, the passage that Adam shared from last week, is a passage that I've been meditating on for over 14 years. 
And verse 4 from the chapter says, They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And when I think of cities being rebuilt, I think of communities that are flourishing with families. And now I'm hopeful that my family will be a part of that. Um, Verse 7 of of Isaiah 61 says, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. I really had no idea what inheritance could look like before. So, after walking with the Lord for 34 years, I know that his heart is for the solitary to be set in family and for families to be set in community. And I know that renewal can come after generations and for the generations. I'm probably going to use this stool here. Be a little more comfortable. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Jenna, if you don't know me. Um, A little bit about me. Um, I've been saved for 10 years, so at the age of 20, um, I was living in Kansas City, um, and I spent six years at the International House of Prayer, and then I moved here when I was engaged to Glenn, um, and then I've been here for the last four years. So um, I feel like speaking and sharing a little of my testimony is very timely. Um, so I'm 20 years old. Um, I am completely in the party scene. Um, I had been working at a cafe in Kansas city, uh, for two years, um, with a guy who had given me so many chances over and over again. He should have fired me so many times. Um, but this particular day, I, um, at this point in my life, my drinking was to the point where I was drinking to pass out or I was drinking to completely cover up any wound, any sort of emotion, really. So it was pretty bad at that point. This particular day, I had started drinking in the morning, and I decided to drive, which is very stupid. Um, I got pulled over very quickly after that, thank goodness. Um, I was so drunk that I opened up my car door, and the police officer pulled her gun on me. Um, And she was like, get back in the car. And I just remember like, okay. So I go to jail that day. I have to call my mom again. This isn't the first time that this has happened. Um, I call her. She comes to pick me up. And I'm like, mom, I got to go to this cafe. And I've got to try to salvage this job. You know, it was a small business. And I felt really bad about that. So I show up at the cafe. And the owner, who I really didn't even know he was a Christian, um, But he had been a Christian for years and years and years. Anyways, he was so mad at me, um, to say the least. Not only was I, like, hurting his business, but he also had invested so much time and effort into me. And he started yelling at me. And what he was yelling at me was his testimony. And I was like, huh. Which I didn't even know what he was talking about. But his story was very similar to mine. Um, he got saved out of the same thing that I got saved out of. Um, and so he, he's yelling his testimony. My ears are open. I'm actually hearing what he's saying probably for the first time in my life. And he invites me to go to church. And so I say yes. And after that, I'm thinking like, why would I have ever said yes to this? I guess to save my job. I don't even know what I'm signing up for here. So his family picks me up that next Sunday and we go to this place called the international house of prayer. 
he had been there for about, I don't know, maybe like 20 years at that point. Um, and so we go to the International House of Prayer, and I'm like, it's the first time I see young people actually worshiping God. And I'm like, huh, I think these people actually like God. This is very interesting. Um, because to me, really up until that point, I did not like Christians at all. Um, I would get in arguments a lot of times with those type of people. Um, was very liberal in my thinking. Um, and so, anyways, I go to church a few weeks, and each time I'm looking forward to it every time they pick me up on Sunday. So it really only took about five weeks, and um, the leader at the House of Prayer did a salvation like altar call, and I was like, this is, this is horrible. I feel like I should go up there. And I really... <laughs> I felt like the Holy Spirit was pulling me up there. At that time, I did not know what the Holy Spirit was. I had no knowledge, no Bible teaching. Um, so I ended up going in front of this huge group of people to say I'm being saved, which, again, I don't even know what that is. Um, so I stand up in front of this group, and then at the end of the service, they take us into this back room. And uh, they teach us on water baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and what being saved is. And my eyes are just, like, glued and I'm listening, I'm all ears. Um, what I didn't know that was strange was by the end of it, there were only two of us out of about 15 people. So people were actually getting up and saying, you know, this is taking a little too long. I've got to go do this or that. So by the end, there's just two of us, me and this older guy. I am weeping under the presence of the Lord. Again, don't know what that is, but <laughs> the Lord showed me later on. Um, I'm weeping. The guy next to me is like totally questioning everything. And these two leaders come and they lay hands on us. And they're like, we're going to pray that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm just like, sure, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and the guy next to me is just like questioning it the whole time. And so they lay hands on us and pray for us. And we start speaking in tongues. And I had no idea what that was. I had no idea that I could utilize that gift later on. Um, so that happened. Um, so if anyone is afraid of tongues or has questions about tongues, um, I literally did not know what it was and it happened. So um, that's part of my story. But so I leave the room. I feel like it was like my mind shifted like 180 degrees and I was delivered of drug addiction, alcoholism and like wrong mindsets in a moment. So it was a very big shift, and honestly, for like several years after that, I didn't understand that sometimes the Lord works through the process. So people would come to me with these issues, and I'm like, hello, what's your deal? Why is this taking so long, you know? Um, <laughs> but I guess what I've learned the most about that experience and about walking with the Lord is that God is real. The Holy Spirit is real and the Father is real. Because even after that time, I feel like the Holy Spirit has been the greatest teacher. And I feel like for those of you in the room who don't have a father figure, the Lord totally stepped in and has been the best father ever. And um, obviously Jesus saved me from so much. And I feel like for those in the room who are addicted to different things, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, you name it. The Lord wants to deliver you and set you free. 
And he wants to use you um, to speak to people like that. And also for the ones that are praying for those people. Um, because my grandma prayed for me for so many years. And she was probably the one person that never gave up on me in my life. And I feel like her prayers totally came full circle. And before she died, she was able to see the restoration of my life. And so if you're praying for the person out there that's just so lost, like, oh man, you actually are like, I don't even want to pray for this person anymore because they're so annoying. Like, um, the Lord hears your prayers, and there's just a timing to all of it, and don't give up. That's all. My name's Bill. Uh, my name is Bill, and I've been a follower of Christ for 45 years. That makes me feel real old. <laughs> and this one thing I do know, no matter what my circumstances and no matter what my failings, Jesus is faithful, and he loves me. Um, this story starts in 2003. I was um, living in Orlando, Florida, attending a... Of what you would call a mega church, huge church, and uh, just personally bogged down with the whole business church model. And um, at this point, I had been through just about every denomination out there looking for <laughs> what is authentic church. What, and and um, grew up Southern Baptist. And um, so when this finally happened, uh, I... I was finally looking for something else. I found a group of people that were doing home church in Orlando, and it was um, it was a great group of people um, that were really serious about church and fellowship. Uh, unfortunately, it was being led by a gentleman that was probably bipolar, schizophrenic, or or both, and we didn't know. Um, so. Um, I, this this church uh, things went really well. I, I got totally invested, uh, and and this bipolar schizophrenic leader actually became my mentor for a for a time. And um, uh, it, it it sounds funny that you could put so much uh, trust in a person like that and never know, but we never knew. Uh, and um, it, it makes uh, what happened later a little bit more devastating when you put so much faith and trust in somebody like that. But um, the church uh, uh, split several times, not bad split. We uh, would split up the groups and develop more home cells. And uh, it finally, uh, we through prayer and, and several other people experiencing the same thing, developed a heart for the island of Key West. And um, uh, we decided that we would send a group to Key West to try to start a house group amongst the, the partiers, the bar goers, whoever. And um, so I went down with a couple of other singles, and we started doing church in Key West. And um, 
Key West has a reputation. You, you, you know what what's coming probably. Uh, our, our next door neighbor uh, came up the day we moved in. Huge red hair and uh, welcomed us to the neighborhood. And this was a woman that was working in the drag clubs imitating a man dressed as a woman. So it was doubly crazy. <laughs> big red. She was a big, a big show. Uh, and I don't understand why. I mean, you've got tough competition there. Um, but th- these were the people that we lived next to, um, worked with. <laughs> Um, and uh, needless to say, uh, Key West was a dark place for a believer. We knew. We knew going down this is going to be difficult. Um, and um, so uh, we began doing church. We had uh, uh, bartenders come uh, and meet with us at, at, at the house, bankers, uh, just people we worked with. And uh, all was going really well until hurricane season came around. And uh, uh, everybody remembers Katrina, which happened the year after this. But the year before, the hurricane season that hit Florida was one of the worst to hit that area. And we had to leave Key West twice. I believe we left twice. Um, each time we went back, I could tell that my bipolar schizophrenic mentor was slipping. Was Something was going wrong. And you know, we had, I'd gotten emails back and forth that uh, this is strange. I, what do you think about this? And um, it, it, each time it just kept getting worse and worse. And after the last storm uh, that we went home for, we came back and uh, it was probably less than three weeks I got the email. Uh, uh, Brian's gone off the deep end, taken the books, um, spewed all over everybody, and it's a disaster. And it was a massive disaster. Uh, and I can't explain all of the reasons, but we were all invested in different ways with this man, um, some as family, some as uh, uh, great friends. And for this to happen, and for this to happen to me at this particular time was doubly devastating. I had been through everything and finally found church that I thought was authentic, that was right, and it blew up, totally blew up. So um, we are trying to put the pieces together, and um, all of us in our different ways just melted down. We all melted down. Um, one One of our girls that was part of the group uh eloped with a, a Cuban <laughs> local. Um, I had my own issues. Everybody just seemed to, to implode with, with everything that happened. And in this, uh, all of our uh, more personal moral failures, uh, God just kept talking to me about we've all got issues. We're, we're, everybody's broken. Uh, more, some people are more broken than others. Um, uh, some people hide it better, but everybody is just a basket case. And I'll never forget, um, uh, I also work, I I work two jobs. You have to work several jobs down there, uh, lay tile for a local builder. And, um, one afternoon I was, we were working on a bathroom in a new build 
and um, the power went out. We knew the electrician was in the building, and he uh, said, go, go find out when they're going to have the power back on. So I walked out onto the porch, and I th- figured that he was the person crawling around under the house. So uh, I hung my head over the railing, and all I could see was work boots sticking out from under the porch. But uh, eventually he came crawling out from under the porch, and uh, th- this is Key West. I'm prepared for strange things, but this totally, I didn't know what to say. It was from the neck down. This was a, an electrician, white T-shirt, cut-off shorts, boots, and from the neck up, it was Doris Day. <laughs> little pearls, a little string of pearls, and the perfect blonde wig. And he was under the house. I don't know how he maintained everything. But, but the Lord said, everybody's, everybody's messed up. Some people, it's just... It's a, a big sign I messed up. Some people, and, and uh, so um, my history with the Lord had been whatever's going on, I, I, I talked about it. But if when things went bad, I tended to do this. I tended to walk the other way and hide everything. And I remember uh, going on a bike ride not too long after this all happened, and um, I was right. I took my my bike up to uh, Seven Mile Bridge, and if you know Seven Mile Bridge, it's the one they blew up in a in a movie. But you can go out halfway onto Seven Mile Bridge. I was riding my bike out on Seven Mile Bridge, heading towards the gap in the pavement, and um, just sort of uh, trying to ignore the fact that I really needed to uh, acknowledge what what all had happened and. The Lord said, you're, you're always riding away from me. You're always walking away when things get bad. And it was very pointed, walk the other way. Walk to me. I'm not going anywhere. In fact, I'm right behind you. I'm following you. Don't walk away from me. And it was that experience, that terrible, incredible explosion of church and family that taught me that God is always there. So if I know anything, I know that Jesus is faithful. Well, I knew exactly what I was going to say until I took the microphone. Um, Wow. I'm Sherry, and um, I've been walking with the Lord uh, for 47 years. And let me clarify that. For 20 years, I have been surrendered living in his armpit. And and Ed upset I could say that. And as I was waking up this morning, I could use that analogy, right? Because it's not that attractive. I mean, we don't want to think of Jesus, you know, right or being right there, right? But you can handle it. Um, I woke up this morning wondering, why is that such an image for me? And I realized that my dad, my earthly father, was 6'5". And so to be drawn into his embrace, into his space completely, I love you, Sherry, was right here. (laughs) So I realized this morning that that's tender to me. That's someone bringing you in and, and telling you, I've got it. You can rest here. So, you know, after 27 years of kind of going my own way, 
not really a bad girl, not really doing anything that anyone could point at me and say, you need help. Um, I was doing life the way I wanted to, um, had um, things put up um, as an idol and worshiping that, trying to keep it all together. And by anyone else's um, look at me, I was doing a pretty good job. You know, I could, I could handle just about anything. But the Lord said, you know, I'm really I'm tired of following you around, Sherry, and um, <laughs> you're making a real mess of things, and I'm going to um, see if we can turn this thing around. So the circumstances in my life created a, a complete demolition of my life, completely. Everyone I had trusted, everyone I had um, uh, put my faith in, everyone that I thought loved me, everyone that I was relying on to prove to me that I was okay, um, let me down. They disappointed me. And I found myself um, alone with a six-year-old who needed me to be, you know, okay. And I knew how to do that. I knew how to pull it up and everything. So the next 20 years have been um, a real journey of the Lord showing me that I can trust him. He's trustworthy. I don't have to conjure up a life. I don't have to pretend like everything's okay. That I can trust him completely. And I told Adam, I said, I've got a thousand stories to tell about that trustworthiness. I mean, specific, specific things that God has shown me. I've got you. You can stop worrying. You don't have to perform. You can trust me. One of those stories happened very shortly after what I call my true surrender. When I actually decided because of my circumstances, not because I came there by myself, um, that the Lord was going to be Lord for me and that I was going to worship him and not the kind of life that I was trying to build. Uh, we were in Rome, Italy for the year. I was studying uh, Montessori education and single parenting an eight-year-old. And uh, no, I did not find a place to live before we got over there. And no, I did not arrange childcare. And no, I did not do all of those things. How do you do that from the United States, right? So we get over there, and it's just one thing after another with having to fill up um, you know, life and, and create this safety net for me and my daughter. One day, my director decided that she was going to change the lectures to be during the time that my daughter was home. And I didn't have child care, and I couldn't take her with me. And I know that may not seem like um, a big deal, but it was to me. <laughs> you know, I've got this person that's relying on me. So I'm, and I'm stressed. I'm doing a master's program in 10 months, and I'm just like, Going, you know, I'm, I'm a nutcase. I'm that basket case that you said everybody is. Um, now that was, who was that? Somebody was talking about basket cases. <laughs> Me. So I go up to my apartment on the fourth floor. And we had this spiraling staircase, you know, that you, the elevator didn't work. So we did the, the four flights up. And I just dropped her off at school. And I go into the apartment and I'm sobbing uncontrollably. Because I've got a little girl that's relying on me for everything. And I have no answer. 
no answer at all. So I first time probably ever in my life, I fell prostrate. Is that the right word? Yeah. No, no prostrate. Prostate? <laughs> anyway, I was face down <laughs> in the middle of the apartment. <laughs> oh, thank you for the humor, Lord, so I can tell the rest of the story. Um, I'm laying flat down on my face, and I'm crying, sobbing, and I'm saying, Lord, I have to have, you have to show up. You have to give me an answer. I can't let this little eight-year-old think that there's no one to care for her here. That her mom is not capable of taking care of her. So I gather myself together because I've got to get to a lecture. And um, I stand, you know, splash water on my face. And I go out my apartment door. And I'm walking, I'm winding down the staircase. And the high heels that we had heard on the uh, apartment above us every night. Clump, 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 clump. Those high heels are coming up the staircase. And it's this beautiful young blonde woman. And she said to me, are you the woman with the little redhead girl? And I said, yes. And she goes, well, my roommate and I, and then the two women that live in the apartment next to us, we've noticed that you do a lot of coming and going with her. What are you doing here? So she was investigating what I was doing. She and her roommate were from England, and her two uh, apartment mates across the hallway were from uh, Portugal. And they were there teaching. Um, one was teaching English as a second language in the high school, and the others were going to college. And she said, um, well, do you need any help with your daughter? I just pulled myself up off the floor. <laughs> and I said, I do. They're strangers. Seriously? Um, I do. And she says, well, I think that if you'll write down your schedule, the four of us can cover it. I know. <laughs> and I looked straight at her and I said, the Lord has sent you to me to take care of my needs. That's one story. I have a ton of them because the Lord knows that I don't trust easily. Because everyone in my life at some level has let me down. And I'm sure you can relate to that. So it's been a journey for me of 20 years learning. I know that I can trust him. He will always be there. Always. Always. Even when I can't see him or feel him, he's there and I can trust him. Those are great people, and then there's me. I don't know what to do. I'm going to maybe sit down or uh, open notes. Hey. My name's Ryan. Um, I've been following the Lord for 17 years, like for real. Uh, I don't know. I grew up kind of in the church, and even got baptized, I think, at 11. But uh, what I know to be true about God is that he always meets me right where I'm at. Um, and that he works through process. I'm not comfortable at all here. <laughs> I, I told, I think, Bubba this morning. I, I've been in this church 11 years. I never have touched a microphone in here. I, I don't, this is real and raw, you know, all these stories were. Um, 
Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, God taught me um, what process and discipline it is. Um, over the past 17 years, I've been living as a real Christian. Um, you know, he's been willing to accept me and allow me to, um, to know what it really means to, to follow him. Um, I, I'm first generation at this. Um, my parents, they're, they're honest, good people, productive people. Uh, they believe in God, I, I, I think, you know, and, um, but I mean, I'm just the first to be trying to live like a kingdom lifestyle. Um, you know, I'm trying to, and want to build something lasting, um, instead of living for survival, I guess, um. It, it, see, I'm, I'm one of the people that was born on the south side of Campbellsville. I, mean, I was born and raised here. Adam talked last week, amazing, you know, uh, that it's it's so true. I mean, there's the, I didn't realize growing up that there was a wrong side of the tracks or not or whatever. Um, but I was born and raised, my wife was too, on the south side of Campbellsville. Um I mean, growing up, I didn't understand there was a difference, uh, you know, like I said, but, and I really don't think there's necessarily a difference in the people even. Um, he had, a, had it exactly right, though. He sees that there's poverty and addiction and um, just lack of opportunity, you know, and I, that divides people maybe. Um, but, you know, before I began to understand God, really, I, I was stuck in those same patterns that like my whole life um, living like meaninglessly really um, I'm, I'm, I'm real stubborn very stubborn and like kind of maybe realized that there was a difference and anyway so I went after to be different I mean um, I, I, I went after all these different business ventures um, You know, but I had like this excuse every time one failed. Or that, but it, I mean, I, I got a bachelor's degree in business. I uh, became a real estate agent, an insurance agent, a stockbroker, um, a few other things I'm even less proud of. <laughs> I did some other stuff too. Um, I, I, being first generation, I did not have a grid um, for what it took to succeed. Um, just so Holly and I, right around the time, I mean, right around the time I like decided to go after this thing for real, like following the Lord, Holly and I met, I mean, that's been 17 years ago. She was 15 years old. Uh, um, I, uh, oh, her and I, we, I met her on main street here in Campbellsville. Um, I did, and we, we even, I, we remember, we were talking just recently about how we dreamed a little bit, or had just, I don't know if it was an idea, or there was no real movie theater here in town, and we had an idea, we thought uh, there was an old, we found the history out, the cozy comfort building that's down there now, it used to, have to be a cozy theater, and we just kind of talked about it, didn't really dream about it for real, and didn't have a, we didn't go after that, but anyway, that was 17, well, probably at that time, maybe 16 years ago, <laughs> anyway, so, um, just recently, like two years ago, her and I had another 
stream and um, we actually went after another building down there um, for with a different idea or plan to totally but um, we went after it and like developed a business plan and um, did everything that we you know we thought we did it was doing it right and we took it to the bank pre presented it um, they said no you can't have it um, it will actually said yes but you need to have a co-signer and we didn't have that um, I mean we did what we could and they said no um, the Lord though was real sweet I mean that but at that time my my heart had positioned like I had worked on my mind I'd worked on my heart and I was like man I'm like I had this tipping point that I didn't even mention and like my heart was not in the places that it was before and I was like, man, this we, we should have, we thought we heard this thing. Um, Lord was really sweet. I mean, it didn't work out the way we wanted it to or what we thought it was going to be. We felt like nobody was there for us. Nobody cared. People was making fun of us. We were ashamed, embarrassed, you know, put ourselves out there. And anyway, it didn't really matter in the end. But um, he was sweet. And even through that, we developed relationships that, in, like, I, I um, established a business partnership that's going really well, kind of, that happened only through that. It was amazing. But, um, you know, I'm a risk taker. I, I go all in to whatever I do. Um, but I, I never learned or understood um, until recently that God works through process. So... Um, I've had high highs and like rock bottom lows. Um, he's been the same and, and he's taught me, um, that he was always there for me it, right where I was and whatever that meant, it, you know, with my heart, right. I, mean, I hope developed. We, uh, we, uh, I was able to see that, you know, he showed me. Um, more about who he is. Um, I learned to be a son, and I hope it's making me a better father. Um, now I'm trying to position my family um, in, in a place where dreams can be realistically attainable. Um, it, it's a generational thing. It, that's the process. Um, it's just the way God works. Uh, I, I'm trying to meet others right where they are. Um, whether it's people that's on the wrong side of the tracks, um, from the south side or here or wherever, um, or if it's people who are influential uh, or positioned to make change now, I, I try to meet people right there where they're at, and I intentionally, um, I'm just trying to be like my father in that, kind of, I've learned about him and who he is, so I'm doing that. Um, and I feel like that in our community, like the only way for, or in our lives or in families and community, any of that, like the way to have truth change, behavior change, or change in general, whatever, um, is to work on hearts and minds. I mean, I, I intentionally had to, like, it wasn't an overnight thing for me to have any kind of change. I'm, again, really stubborn, but I try to figure it out and process through whatever it was I was doing and why I was doing things, but, you know, heart change and mind change is, um, 
it'll, it's good, it will allow for the like opportunity or a platform for good things to happen and last. Um, so whatever life throws at me, um, what I know is, or to be true about God, is that he meets me right where I'm at and uh, that he works through the process. Man, weren't these guys great? Sometimes a story is better than a sermon. Preachers are the worst. (laughs) Hey, why don't we do this? If I could have you five people come up here, they're going to be our ministry team this morning. You guys can stand up. I'm going to pray real quick. And here's what we'll do. You've been listening to stories this morning about real people who really have followed Jesus. You, You probably heard something in there for you or that may even be who you are and where you're at. And your heart might really be resonating. If that's you, then just come up and let one of these people pray for you. All right? So let's do this. Let's just put our hands out. We're just going to go vineyard here for a second. And let's ask God to just move on us here. Father, we love you in this room. God, thanks for being a lifelong God. Who's every year, every day, every hour. God, who loves us in weakness. We just, we appreciate that, Lord. God, who's, who's taking us through process who's moving us to be men and women of substance. God, thanks for everybody else in this room who has got a story to tell. God, we ask that the things you've started, you'd complete. In fact, I think there's a scripture about that. God, we ask that you would do those things. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, give somebody a high five and a hug. If you would like prayer, these people are up here. They will pray for you. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.